0: Welcome back to gin and, Welcome and topic. Back to Welcome to back to gin and topic. topic. If you've forgotten, I'm Sarah, and I'm Anya, and we drink gin, and we don't know anything. <laughs> but it's okay because we've got a load more experts. We've got some really cool topics, and we're going to find out about them. Yeah, while drinking gin. Oh, perfect. <laughs> um. Okay. Hello. Hello. Same time, same place, with a gin in hand. Who are we talking to? We are talking to Dr. Claire Jonas. Nice. She is a science communicator and she has a PhD in psychology. And she is going to talk to us about synesthesia. 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 I will not say this right. The whole of the episode. I think we should try. Yeah, try saying that again after a few more gins. Synesthesia. Yeah. And so she is going to talk to us about synesthesia. And our question question for of the, the week. week is: What is it? What the fuck is it? And why does it exist? Yeah. So. What is synesthesia? Do we know? I know. Do you? Yeah, because I did an English Lit A-level. I didn't do well in it, but I did it. Um, What's the connection between synesthesia and... I'm about to get there. Okay, okay. 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 So we read The Great Gatsby. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, You didn't enjoy that. Didn't enjoy that. I mean, anyway, moving on. Yeah. Great Gatsby. Great Gatsby. And I very vaguely remember... And I couldn't tell you which line we were talking about. A discussion about synesthesia in The Great Gatsby. Uh So I know it as a sort of muddling of senses. Like people can taste colours. I love the word muddle. Yeah, Muddling senses, tasting colours. Yeah, that's what I connect it with. Yeah, Or feeling numbers. So we know it's muddling senses. Why? No idea. No idea. I would guess something wonky in the brain. (laughs) Yeah, that's a technical term. (laughs) It's what I use for everything. Like, I'll be like, oh, I'm having a wonky brain day. And it can mean anything from I'm having a sad girl day to I'm really struggling to read today. (laughs) So, yeah, we know roughly what it is in terms of muddling senses, but I don't know specifically what that is and we don't know why or how it happens. No idea. No idea. The um, great thing is, is that Claire Jonas is... A synesthesist? Diziac. I don't know what the word <laughs> no is. No idea, we'll find um, out. But she has synesthesia, so she can also talk us about the science of it, but also the experience of it, which yeah, is gonna be really cool. cool. I like that. And talking of muddling the senses, we have Jen which muddles <laughs> our senses. <laughs> that's such a weak link, Jesus. Did you like Jesus. that? Jesus. No. Go back to podcast school. <laughs> podcast school chopper! <drop> <laughs> So yeah. we are um drinking Tarquin's Cornish Dry mm, this yeah. week. And that's because Claire is Cornish. Yeah. So big up Cornwall. Mm. We have Tarquin's Cornish Dry, um which is one you know. I do know. Yes, and I really like this gin. So I'm pleased to drink So it. you already know what it I like. I already know that I'm happy today. <laughs> so that's good. So we are pairing. Mm. What are we pairing it with, Anya? Um, Orange, because I wanted orange. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing Fever Tree Refreshingly Light Tonic. Oh, absolutely. Excellent. I'm glad I guessed. Um, Although we didn't really have orange, so it's an easy peeler. That's all right. Easy peeler, Which is an well, orange. It's an orange, yeah. yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, it's just bloody lovely. It's quite a strong one oh, too. Yeah, that mm. is yeah really nice. And actually, I quite like the easy peeler because it's a bit sweeter. Yeah, very clean, nice gin. I'm just going to sit here and classic drink this ginny for a while. Gin. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It is a classic Ginny Gin. Yeah, it comes in a lovely bottle. Do G- you I like the bottle. It looks like all the melty. Mm-hmm. The bottle's cool. It's a good Ginny Gin. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind that you could add all sorts of different things you could add pretty much anything to it it's a very versatile gin Hmm. Mm. very tasty yeah nice solid junipery dry all the things we like classic london dry flavor yeah Yeah. all the things we do like all the things we like in a gin yeah nice yeah So Claire, welcome. Hello. Thank you. It's nice to meet you. You too. Have you got your gin? Yay! There's the pretty bottle. It's such it's a so nice beautiful, bottle, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yes. the bottle is beautiful, and we love to look at it. But we much prefer a glass of gin. So if you yes. haven't poured yourself one,
1: I, I will do. Pour that right
0: now. away. To get an...
1: there, we go. Oh, That's oh a nice. Yeah. Noise. Oh, it's Love nice. that sound. And oh. I, have, I have tonic. So. Hopefully that won't interfere. Oh wow, that is a a lockdown a ginny double. I've made myself. There. Yes, I think I <laughs> might just pour a bit back in and top it up
0: with a lot of tonic. <laughs> <laughs> we like accidentally ginny gin. Okay, I have my gin. Brilliant. So, Tarquin's. Yes. Thank you for introducing it. And the reason why we're drinking it is because you're Cornish. Is that I right? am
1: Cornish. I
0: don't sound Cornish, but I am. <laughs> I. <laughs> mm
1: oh that is nice
0: oh, that's dangerous and i don't yeah. know much about tarquins apart from that it's cornish it's do we is it i know very little either. it's a gin it comes it, in a lovely blue bottle and it it's cornish it says
1: orange blossom distilled with hand-picked violets and fresh orange zest on it so.
0: i do get the orange which is well, where we did we pair it with an orange, an orange so well it. done us
1: yeah. it, it, it says on the back fragrant hand-picked Oh, God, I can't speak. Fragrant hand-picked violets and fresh orange zest to bring a little bit of Cornish sunshine to every glass. And I'm just like, you can't grow oranges in Cornwall. (laughs) I mean, maybe maybe indoors. It's not that tropical. (laughs) (laughs) But
0: I think I've definitely seen violets. And as well as drinking a glass of Tarquin's to celebrate Cornwall, we are talking about synesthesia. What it is... And why it exists? Synesthesia. Yeah, we're gonna try that gonna again struggle. at the end. Yeah, <laughs> after a glance. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, <laughs> yes. So we've talked about what we know, and we, uh, Anya, termed it beautifully earlier: <laughs> <laughs> the muddling of senses. Yes. And that's as much as we think we know. Yay! (laughs) I did it!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Yes. All right. So Mm -hmm. I I guess I can give you a bit more depth than that. So um, I think the muddling of the senses is probably a pretty good definition. I would say maybe more the mixing of the senses than muddling because, well... I should start at the beginning. Uh, I have synesthesia. And and that was part of why I ended up doing my PhD on it, because I went, oh, this is really weird. I would love to find out more about it. Um, So from the point of view of being a synesthete, I can say to you, you're very clear that your senses aren't really getting muddled up. It's just kind of um, different sensory things are happening than they would for most people but it's Mm -hmm. not like you're hallucinating for example where you can't really tell if it's real or not it's very much like oh this is a thing that's happening in my head
0: yeah yeah so so, what happens to you personally can I ask
1: sure Um, so I have in fact quite a boring kind of (laughs) synesthesia (laughs) as these things go it's one of the most common kinds um anything that's in a sequence so Mm -hmm. numbers letters days of the week uh playing cards they all have positions in space so Mm -hmm. um numbers are laid out in front of me oh god i'm gonna try and (laughs) explain this verbally (laughs) rather than just pointing yeah um okay so Numbers start with zero by my right-hand shoulder a bit ahead of it. They go up in a slope to the left towards 10 and then they do a U-turn and all of the rest of the numbers go off towards infinity.
0: Oh, wow, up okay. And to the right.
1: Um, oh, wow. So that one's... That that makes maths quite complicated.
0: Uh, Maths is already so complicated. It is.
1: It is. Um, I've had some awkward moments teaching statistics to an undergraduate class and just completely forgotten how to add two numbers together. (laughs) I've had someone shouting, it's 67 from behind me. And I'm like, yes, thank you. It's it's just the synesthesia.
0: and so, well, I was going to ask, does that mean you say that they will have that position and, mm-hmm. and that's fixed? You can't, they can't move from that position. So is that why adding numbers is, makes it makes it difficult?
1: So they can move a bit.
0: They do move if
1: I think about negative numbers. So, for example, if I think about minus three, the whole thing flips around and then suddenly zeros by my by. by left shoulder Whoa. and the negative numbers are going off behind me in like a little loop and then a, a long line. It um, sounds
0: really pretty. The only <laughs> thing I compare it to is, you know, Sherlock's mind palace yeah, and how he sees everything like laid out in front of him. That's the only way I can imagine it.
1: <laughs> it is a really useful um, memory strategy yes. if, if you know to use it in that way. So yes, it is quite like the memory <laughs> palace, I suppose. It's just more sort of, you, you have it from, well, People who have synesthesia typically have it for as long as they can remember. Um, So it's not like a purposeful strategy that people Mm. have developed. Mm. Um, Just to return to your previous question. Yeah, the bigger the numbers get, the harder it is. It's kind of like trying to pull a curtain across to look at Mm. the big numbers. And they also get squished closer and closer together. So um, 17 and 18 are much further apart than 217 and 218 so it's yeah. very easy for me to get confused um yeah. if I try and look at the location
0: how do you say a person that has synesthesia is it a synesthete a synesthete oh yeah. we never got, got that one did we no we came up with all sorts of weird ones <laughs> synesthete lovely
1: quite a common one people say a synesthesiac which I yeah. quite oh, enjoyed that exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the official word is synesthete
0: synesthete wow. So um, you have numbers in in that kind of position, and yep. you said that it's um, that's a common one. But I'm I'm guessing that your positioning of numbers is unique to you. Yes, it is. Mm. Um, so
1: I I did some research a while ago on sort of what different people's number lines look like. So the spatial layout of the synesthesia. And yeah, people do have all kinds of different layouts. It's it's quite common to have certain things in common. So um, these days, a lot of people have a bend in the line at 10. But if yeah. you go and look back at sort of Victorian era synesthetes, the bend in the line will come at 12 instead, because 12 was sort of culturally a more important number. The more common so um, you do get features like that in common. But yeah, every mm-hmm. every single synesth- synesthesia is unique to them.
0: Wow. That's quite cool, though. And so, as you said, so anything that's in a sequence. So numbers, playing cards, you mentioned yes. as well. Yeah.
1: So they're laid out in front of me. So the the ace appears in two places because it can be the low and the high card. So it's both nearest me and then the other number cards go away from me and slightly to the left. And then you've got Jack, Queen, King, Ace again across the top in a a line. Um, Right. And I I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I've literally no idea. I even noticed when developing when I when I used to be a lecturer, I was marking lots of essays, and I I ended up sort of having this spatial layout for like how good an essay was when I was marking oh, wow. it. So, um, the the sort of lower end of the range would be down and to the left, and the upper end of the range would be up and to the right, and then really incredible ones would be like slightly <laughs> out of my field of view. <laughs>
0: is the ability to see things is it a superpower <laughs> um a lot of people do ask me this <laughs> um, i I would say
1: no it it can be an advantage in some situations but it's like a very ordinary advantage it's kind of like um having a good memory or um like being good with maths it's not sort yeah. of being able yeah. to fly level superpower <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know I think sometimes being really good at maths is a superpower superpower. I'm so bad at maths so um, now you said that you have a common form of synesthesia Mm -hmm. which is this Mm visualising sequencing yes so what other forms I've heard of one I cannot remember where I heard of it but somebody said I read it somewhere about tasting names oh yes lexical gustatory the... what sorry <laughs> that's lexical gustatory synesthesia oh that's uh, such good lexical name. gustatory so sort of like lexical words that's good Gus, that's gustat- good gastronomy san- mm-hmm. food gusto oh yeah it's nice yes. i want to know what my name tastes like if i'm honest <laughs> yeah
1: Um again it will vary from synesthete to synesthete So that that's quite nice. You can just go around the world going, What does what does this taste of? If anyone is
0: listening to this who can taste names, please let me know. (laughs) (laughs) There's
1: um the the head of the UK Synesthesia Association is a man who can taste words and he quite often um makes sort of uh I guess art out of it. He he will go to different places and do their public transport maps in the taste that he experiences? Oh, wow. Uh, when he. Oh, how fabulous! Yeah, it's I, I love seeing them. He's done a few different places now. Um, London was my favourite because I lived there, and so the tube map was familiar to me. Yeah. Um, it was just funny looking at this map and going, oh, that's that's what the station near my work tastes <laughs> of.
0: <laughs> I, I'm going to have to have a little bit of a look up at the same time. Yeah. I'm so, intrigued. because I too used to live in London. Oh, my golly. <gasps> that is so cool. So, King's Cross. <laughs> Is a fruit cake and dripping amazing? Ooh. Oh, that is just really cool. Oh, this is brilliant. Three in one oil. How does he know how three in one oil tastes? That's worrying.
1: Well, I mean,
0: we've all eaten things that aren't food, right? Yeah, yeah, it has happened. <laughs> Houston oh, is tux. roast lamb. I really wouldn't want to travel all those tastes though. So, if I'm sat yeah. there with that taste going, I wouldn't be and hungry when they by on the train, end. Of it. Like, your next stop is Paddington and you're going from warm semolina to pork rind.
1: No. <laughs> yeah. Synesthesia can sometimes be an inconvenience in that way. But um, some some synesthetes, I don't think all synesthetes, but um, most seem to be able to ignore their synesthesia. Like, mm. or. Mm. It's still there, but it's kind of like you turn down the volume on it, for example. So
0: um,
1: another form of synesthesia I have, which is a bit less common, is sometimes I'll see shapes when I'm listening to music. And so... Uh uh, sometimes you know if i'm doing a complicated reversing in the car or something like that i'll have to Mm -hmm. turn the music down so i don't see the shapes while i'm trying (laughs) to to do it but if i have to leave the music i can't imagine why i would have to leave the music up um i don't know if there's like roadworks happening outside and Mm. i can't ignore that noise i can just look past my synesthesia because it's occurring in my mind's eye rather than sort of in the real world so Every kind of synesthesia is, almost every kind of synesthesia is named in the same way. So it will be Mm -hmm. um, the thing that causes the synesthesia first, which is called the inducer, and then the thing that happens in the synesthesia second, which is called the concurrent. So Mm -hmm. lexical gustatory tells you, if you know about synesthesia terminology, you see words, you taste them, or you Mm -hmm. hear words, you taste them. Um, So my one that I was talking about earlier is sequence-based synesthesia, so yeah. named in the same way um and then we've also got oh gosh there's loads um music color synesthesia so seeing different colors for different musical notes oh, or musical instruments so cool. um, another very common one is letter color or number color um so as you might imagine letters or numbers having colors Mm. um i'm just my mind's gone blank now (laughs) on the different kinds of synesthesia. um i've got stuck on there's there's one exception to the rule which is ordinal linguistic personification
0: ordinal linguistic personification okay people normally
1: call it olp which because it's a bit of a mouthful um (laughs) So again, it's a sequences one, but this time members of sequences have personalities or genders. So no. you might have, for example, oh um, one's a, a little kid um, mm-hmm. who's very naughty and two is their brother who's older and a bit wiser. So mm-hmm. you have that kind oh. of uh, not only um, genders and
0: personalities, but like relationships between them. Between the numbers as well. How interesting. So why then? (laughs) Where? How? Who, what, where and why? Yeah. All of those questions. (laughs) Okay,
1: so we don't have a definitive answer. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's quite a lot of theories out there. So one is um, the idea that everyone is born a synesthete and that Um, as you get older your neural connections get pruned and you no longer have the synesthesia uh, for some people and then for others it remains the question then becomes well why would you yeah end up with synesthesia in
0: some people and not because they're the chosen ones and they will lead the revolution (laughs) superpower again That's a lot of pressure. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, you know what, Katniss Everdeen didn't want to lead the revolution either and she did a brilliant job, so, you know. She,
1: she did, but I, I don't think I could fire an
0: arrow, um,
1: which I believe is a prerequisite for leading a revolution. Mm. I think we're probably, yeah, we're going to have to bypass me as the okay. leader of the revolution. Um, it's so it's right. a
0: shame, you have to keep looking. I can keep looking. Eventually <laughs> it will happen and I will have my YA fantasy novel ready. And so that's, so one idea is that, and I must admit, I would sit there and think, well, why would you necessarily lose those abilities? Yes. So are there other theories as well? Yes. So
1: I would say that one is, well, it is a theory, but it's a theory that brings about more questions than answers. Yeah. Um, so some of the other theories can probably help with this. Um, and there's, there's quite a lot of them. Um so one thing I should say before I go into the other theories is that um, there's a genetic component to synesthesia. So it tends to run mm-hmm. in families. Not everyone will have it. It seems mm-hmm. to be more you inherit the predisposition to have synesthesia. Yeah. And then whether you develop it or not seems to be up to the circumstances of your life. But no one is really sure what circumstances what, what. of your life. Yeah. <laughs> um so in my family, my dad has oh another exception to the rule: ticker tape synesthesia, which is um, he he sees subtitles when he's speaking. <laughs>
0: That's so brilliant. Word. I love subtitles. I watch everything with subtitles. I wish I had subtitles. Me too. Subtitles yes. are great, aren't they? They're so brilliant. You can eat snacks as loudly as you want and it's fine. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. So th- this is actually a really nice illustration of like, I've inherited a tendency to have synesthesia, but not yeah. the specific synesthesia. Mm. Um, and even if you do inherit um, the same kind of synesthesia from a parent, then the you know if you've got... Your parents got a red A and a blue B and a mm. yellow C, you're, you're probably not going to have the same pattern. Mm, <laughs> you can yeah, end up yeah. going, What do you mean A is red? No, it's green. <laughs> no, it's yellow.
0: You know? <laughs> the <laughs> amount of arguments that would cause. <laughs> yes. I mean, this is,
1: this is how some people discover their synesthetes, um, yeah. which is quite nice. Um, a lot of people go through their whole lives not knowing. Um, yeah. Assuming this is how everyone views the world.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, so. you do just assume that that's what everyone does. Yeah. yeah. And exactly. it's only when you
1: have the conversations that you realise. So the reason I mentioned the genetic predisposition is because one of the theories about synesthesia is you have this predisposition, but it only pops up in certain circumstances, like if you need it right. to help you learn, for example. Oh. So In English, you've got very like non-transparent connections between what a letter looks like and how it sounds. Mm. And a Mm. lot of it's very contextual, like O-U-G-H can sound (sighs) very different in different circumstances. Uh, So one of the ideas about synesthesia is that uh, having an extra memory aid as you're doing these kinds of things. So the letters have colors would help you learn.
0: So again, superpower. Yeah. (laughs) From an early age. That is that's the superpower. I guess
1: it's kind of an inbuilt um, what's the word? A mnemonic device. Mm, um, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, it, it can be really handy in that regard. Like, mm. I very rarely forget people's birthdays because I've got the spatial calendar with like birthdays oh, of people so who are important helpful. to me marked on it.
0: Well, I only remember because nice. Moonpig has them saved and sends me an email. <laughs> yeah, I have them in my calendar. Yeah. And still forget them. Yeah, that's why I text you. I'm like, remember, it's my birthday next week. It's a big deal.
1: There is one other theory I want to tell you about, though, which mm-hmm. is that synesthesia is basically kind of a side effect of some other changes that happen in the brain. Ooh. Um, so this was uh, a theory that my it was my PhD supervisor actually came up with, uh, Professor Jamie oh. Ward at the University of Sussex. And his idea was pretty much that, Um, there are certain advantages associated with being a synesthesia. So I already mentioned, like, uh, I never forget a birthday. So good memory seems to be one of the advantages of synesthesia. And um, most of the advantages that you get are not really about having synesthesia. They just seem to come along with it. Mm -hmm. Um, So his idea was there was probably an evolutionary pressure Uh, that selected for those kinds of traits and synesthesia came along with them because that's the result of your brain being Mm -hmm. wired up in this particular way. Um, Mm. So yeah, maybe the most interesting thing about synesthesia is not synesthesia, but what else it implies. So I mentioned memory. But there's also creativity. Synesthetes seem to be more creative in some ways than other people.
0: Nice. We love a creative. <laughs> she says, "As a creative." <laughs> <Nice>.
1: <laughs> so there's uh, divergent creativity. Um, divergent, which is, which is writing Not the a novel. Divergent, <laughs>
0: Not a <bit> <laughs> writing a. I'm a divergent, Sarah.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Like- I heard you start getting excited and then I was like, I'm going to make a Veronica Roth joke and it I couldn't think of Do one it. quickly enough.
0: <laughs> oh
1: no, <laughs> so, that would have so, made my day. It would, wouldn't it? I love how we keep coming back to like young adult novels.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm obsessed. It's constant. terrible. Yeah, constant. sorry. Okay, so there's divergent creatives writing yep. a novel, that kind yep. of, yeah. So it's, um, sorry,
1: I should say it's creativity, not creative. Sorry, so yeah. both, anyone can have either kind yep. of creativity. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, actually, yeah. Writing a novel is probably a good example Now that I've said (laughs) that. Um, so it's coming up with, uh, stuff that hasn't been done before. So kind of Mm -hmm. the, I always think of it as like the explosive bit of creativity where you're just like, Oh, I could do this or this or this or this. Mm. Um, so it might be in a sort of very practical sense. It might be, I've got this tool. And I'm going to put it to a use that no one else has ever put it to before. That would be divergent yeah. creativity.
0: I um, used a um, heating hair tong to curl my fake eyelashes once, so that
1: is impressive. I Thank you. Good. <laughs> it worked really well. <laughs> did you have to use like tweezers to hold the eyelash? I, I did. Imagine that's-
0: yeah. yeah, I used tweezers Told to it. It's because I didn't have an eyelash curler at the time. And then I sort of pressed them up against the um, curling tong uh, and it worked clever. very well. Yeah. And then done. I shared this tweet with the Bear grills meme of adapt, improvise, overcome.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, this is, this is a perfect example yeah. of Yay. divergent creativity.
0: <laughs> Told you. Divergent.
1: So the second kind of creativity is convergent creativity which mm-hmm. is bringing disparate elements together. So um, probably a good example of this is like you're solving a cryptic crossword and you have to bring all of the different elements together to find like
0: one solution. Yeah, I'm I... not good at that one. I'm really bad at that one. Ah, okay, so
1: this is, this is great. You're a perfect example of like some oh. people seem to be really good at divergent creativity. Some people yeah. seem to be really good at convergent creativity. Sometimes you get people mm. who are good at both. Yeah. Um, mm. But synesthetes in particular seem to be good at converging creativity which Mm. kind of makes sense because if you think about it if you've got synesthesia you're going through your whole life with um things there that no one else is perceiving (laughs) so you're you're used to going oh well a is blue and you've brought two completely different ideas together so that's one other advantage of of being a synesthete um there are some sort of disadvantages associated with it as well. So as I mentioned, I'm not very good at numbers, which um <laughs> it's a bit awkward because like uh, I, I used to part of what I used to do for a living was statistics. Um fortunately, <laughs> at the point you get to statistics, you don't have to do mental arithmetic much anymore. You can yeah. just like interpret the output of a program. But um it meant that I would occasionally because I'm visualizing the numbers as I'm adding up or subtracting, I would just land on the wrong number on the wrong, uh, Mm. on the number line. So it would be kind of like you've missed the, if you counted along a ruler and you missed the spot where 13 Mm. wasn't hit 14 instead by accident. It's, it's that kind of thing. Um, Not every synesthete has that kind of um, (laughs) disadvantage with numbers. Um, But it does seem to be a thing among people who have, number space synesthesia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's not all upsides. Um, there are also some indications that if you have synesthesia, you might be more likely to have certain conditions. So right. um, I did some research with, uh, oh gosh, Paul, Professor Paul Hibbard at the University of Essex, who's an expert mm. in migraines. And we found that synesthetes are not exactly more likely to have migraines than other people but they do seem to have headaches with uh auras which are like the visual problems you get just before a Mm. um, interesting um and then there's also you're more likely to have obsessive compulsive disorder um, which is no one's really sure why on that Mm. um and then uh at the sort of very how are those two linked together, end of the spectrum? You're more likely to have irritable bowel syndrome if you're a synesthete.
0: Well, I don't want to talk too much about our bowels, but... <laughs> uh, what interesting connections. Mm. So is there a lot of research being done on those kinds of connections? Are they just sort of anomalies that have come out when they're researching irritable bowel and then gone, oh, look, we've got a, an awful lot of synesthetes. <laughs> here <laughs> isn't that a coincidence why are they researching <laughs> irritable bowels the poor people why couldn't they have been researching the migraines sarah <laughs> everyone's got to find um, their little niche <laughs> so uh there's
1: the theory that's sort of underlying this is uh dr duncan carmichael and professor mm. julia simner um i think both still at the university of sussex not sure about duncan um but they were thinking that probably what's going on is some of the genes that are involved in uh brain structure are also involved in the immune system. So right. this is kind of the the flip side of synesthesia, if you like. Like you get the advantages that come with it, but maybe mm-hmm. you also get an increased risk of certain health conditions. Mm-hmm. Um so again not really a lot of information about exactly yeah. what's going on there, but that's the the general theory of of mm-hmm. what's happening, um, and that would tie in with um, Jamie Ward's idea that it's the general structure of the brain that's changed. So there's like lots and lots of differences in a synesthete's brain and body compared yeah. to um, a non synesthete, and synesthesia is just one of those.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so one of the thing, other things you said then was that a lot of people will go through their entire lives and not realise that they've yeah. got it.
1: Yeah. Um, I only realised when I was 20 and I mm. happened to be watching a documentary on synesthesia with my parents and they had, uh, mm. I think it was called Derek Taste of Earwax, this
0: <laughs> <It's> documentary. <laughs> it's it is
1: um so i think i think they had interviewed a lexical gustatories in a seat for this and yeah. that was one of the things they said um but one of the other people in it was someone going to the market and it had a visualization of her sort of figuring out the change she should be getting from buying a certain quantity yeah. of vegetables and i looked at it and went oh i do that <laughs> and i was just like oh that's uh, okay but i i've met people you know when they used to come to the lab to do experiments um quite often we'd sort of just spontaneously hear from people who were like oh i've just discovered i've got synesthesia and they're in like their 40s or 50s or 60s mm. um mm. and yeah this this is the thing about synesthesia you'd don't know it's unusual unless you talk to other people Mm -hmm. about how they experience the world. And that's not a thing we necessarily do much.
0: Or unless you listen to this podcast, in which Uh, case you might find out. I you imagine that'd be so cool. (laughs) Somebody wrote an email like, oh, by the way, I've been listening to your podcast and I've just realised. And I'm wondering also whether, is it on a spectrum as well? Can you have a little bit or is it a smidge of. yeah that's why because you were saying about the sort of strengths and the fact that you can tune out or turn down
1: mm-hmm. um so i would say it's not it's not really a spectrum except in the um you're looking at maybe the likelihood that you would develop synesthesia given your like level of tendency to have it genetically mm and maybe you could also look at the number of types of synesthesia that people have so some people have just one some people have loads um oh and a third one you could look at how vivid it is so for some people it's really just like a a thought without any sort of accompanying mental imagery Mm -hmm. and for other people it's as vivid as um you know (laughs) your hand in front of your face um So you can talk about it in a continuum in that way, but you can't really be half a synesthete. You're either a synesthete or you're not. Um, You do see something that is a little bit like synesthesia in people who aren't synesthetes, but it's not occurring at a conscious level, um, Mm. which is one of the kind of hallmarks of of synesthesia. Uh, So these are cross-modal correspondences and it's the tendency we have to think that certain things go together across the senses Mm. so if i tell you that i've got uh, a small ball and a large ball and one of them makes a high pitched noise when it bounces you will assume it's the small ball yeah so you can see there that you wouldn't necessarily make that association on a conscious level but it would be there and when i point it out to you you Mm. go, oh okay yes yeah that's that's there Mm. Mm. um the thing is there's a bit of a debate going on in the the synesthesia Mm. research world about like is is that sort of related to synesthesia is it a completely different thing um and there's there's arguments for both sides of that
0: Mm. yeah Uh,
1: so no one really knows at the moment but that's that's one way in which you can kind of experience synesthesia if you're not a synesthete
0: and so you said that Synesthesia is the definition of being a conscious awareness of it. So yeah. is that suggesting that there could be this sort of subconscious synesthesia, <laughs> as it were, that that's um, not that can be sort of there is maybe. a dormant superpower. <laughs> oh Jesus, Sarah. <laughs> so well, she was a dormant divergent, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Potentially yes.
1: Um, so there's two kinds of groups of theories about the structure of uh, sorry the mm. uh, two kinds of theories about the brain differences between synesthetes and non synesthetes and there's structural and functional. So mm. structural says synesthetic brains are wired up differently from other people, so that the hardware is different, if you like.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then the functional ones say, well everyone's got this hardware it's just that you know the neurotransmitters the hormones everything washing around in your brain is Mm -hmm. set up in a particular way and if you altered that maybe you would become a synesthete Mm -hmm. um there's there's vague evidence of this um so you can uh, suggest to people during hypnosis that they have synesthesia and they will start behaving as though they do uh you can train people to have synesthesia so you can get like browser plugins that sort of consistently show for example c and green um and after a while people who've gone through well not just that training quite a lot of training will start behaving as though they have synesthesia but they don't report the the phenomenological aspects of synesthesia Mm -hmm. so what it what it feels like inside your brain seems to be sorry not inside your brain inside your mind (laughs) (laughs) appears to be quite different um, for people who are and aren't synesthetes
0: it's so interesting because there's there's obviously so much that is still unknown Mm -hmm. I love an unknown like, I, I have a fear of the unknown, but when it comes to something like this, I'm like, an unknown's that's quite okay. exciting, because then there's so much opportunity for it to be looked into, and the research, and then it's like, well, what's going to come out of that? Because 20 years from now, I could be reading a paper, not that I ever read papers, because, you know, I'm reading YA books, that <laughs> then says, oh, actually, we've discovered it's this thing, and that's just really exciting. It is cool, isn't it? Um <laughs> One
1: one really interesting thing that's being looked at at the moment is, mm. uh, so again, this is Professor Simner at the University of Sussex. She's yeah. leading a research project on what synesthesia looks like across the lifetime. So oh, wow, how does it start when you're a child? Mm. Um, what does it mean for you if you're uh, a, an older adult with synesthesia? So we said earlier, it's got sort of beneficial effects for your memory Mm -hmm. does that mean it offers a protective effect as you get older Mm. like are you less prone to the memory loss associated with old age and the answer is i think Yes, kind of. Um, but it, <laughs> Again, it's on the level of like, it's not a superpower. It's like a very ordinary, like you, your memory will be a little bit better. Than I love if you didn't the have idea of it. an
0: ordinary superpower, though. Like mm. I always think my superpower is I always weigh pasta out perfectly. I always get the right amount for my portion. And I think celebrating an ordinary superpower like that is a really cool thing to do because we should all celebrate little cool things about ourselves like that. <laughs> I remember
1: nice? reading a, a Twitter thread about people celebrating their ordinary superpowers uh, no a while ago. <laughs> I had a vague idea that I had a superpower. What is it What is it that I can do that's like a really random superpower? No, it'll probably come back. Uh, do you have
0: a random superpower? <laughs> I probably do, but wouldn't be able to remember it now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, I've remembered
1: it. Um, I am... Good enough at imagining what food will taste like, like different combinations of yeah. ingredients, that I very rarely make myself a meal that I won't like because I've already been able to imagine what it will taste like. That's such a good one. That
0: is pretty that's cool. And that's also helpful because that you there's nothing helpful. worse than when you're really hungry and cooking a meal and then being like, Oh, that doesn't or, taste. Good well, yeah, it. when you've been cooking it and you're like, Oh my god, this is going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And you've got such good ideas and then it tastes like shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. Actually, that might be related to what I would consider your normal day superpower. Yeah. No matter what we have in the fridge, Sarah manages to produce a meal, whether it is like a carrot, a block of cheese and a leftover mush of something. You always manage to create something. Know, I love that kind of I thing. I know you do. It's just looking there going, what can you do with these really random objects? And not always does the meal make sense. Sometimes it tastes good. Yeah. <laughs> Quite often it doesn't taste good, but she does create something and that's a superpower.
1: That's a particularly useful pandemic superpower as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's true. Mine was useless in the pandemic. Everyone bought the pasta. (laughs) So one of the things you said was that with some kinds of synesthesia comes the sort of added memory ability or added ability to remember. So I really cannot remember names i am utterly useless even within a few seconds you say this is you know i love being online because it's written (laughs) that is very useful isn't it so there are loads of techniques um to learn names and things like that which all just seem really hard work Um, (laughs) but by the time i've learned the technique i just the person's gone (laughs) so but are there programs to sort of use those things that are associated with synesthesia and memory so yes those do exist um we
1: don't know if they have any effect on memory um (laughs) so
0: i feel like they could try anything on you and your memory would still be shocking i'm gonna say it
1: I am very rapidly reading a paper from uh, <laughs> Nick Roten and uh, Bayat Meyer, who are the people who do a lot of stuff about memory and synesthesia. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Oh, wow. So they say synesthetic training courses are offered to improve creativity and memory. Um, this is from uh, 2014. That was quite a while ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> God damn it, this is, is going to take me bloody it's ages to figure year, out. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: I can in can fill this one with One Direction knowledge if we want. I'll talk about everything One Direction was doing in 2014.
1: wonder if any of One Direction have synesthesia.
0: Maybe well, they okay, do. So, so, well, this was linking on to my next question, which is, are there any people, famous people?
1: Oh. Yes. Who? Who? Um, Pharrell
0: really
1: uh, yep mary j blige oh uh, i love a bit of
0: mary j blige hmm. lord oh well lord ran an instagram account for onion rings so you know that girl's got <laughs> talent she did but <laughs> that a lot is of respect amazing. for lord because like you know what if you're going through the whole music biz intensity you gotta find
1: your fun where you can yeah exactly
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm trying to think of someone who's not a musician now. Um oh, uh Vasily Kandinsky the artist. We're not sure <laughs> if he was a synesthete, but he might have been because he he said some things that suggested he could hear his paintings. Oh, um, interesting. So, if you if you look at them they're quite sort of abstract. They've got yeah, a lot of yeah. geometric shapes in them yeah. and I'm I'm thinking based on imagining what I would hear if I looked at them mm. that probably there's something like musical compositions to
0: him um, so this again proves the whole link between creativity if you know painters and musicians well yeah and I'm gutted now because how amazing would it be if you could hear it and then you could get with somebody who could recreate the sound of it and then you could have the painting and the sound of you the said painting. get with and I thought you meant get with no, and not I was like with. hold on <laughs> But how cool would that be? That would be cool. But I wonder how easy, is some of it not easy to articulate? Because mm. I know it can be really hard to articulate some of imaginings. Yeah. Yes. Um.
1: Some people have an easier time than others, I would say. Mm. So it's relatively easy for me to describe my synesthesia. Uh, it's obviously easier if I can gesture because a lot of the stuff is yeah. facial. But sometimes people will be having a lot of different uh, synesthetic experiences. So, for example, um, my my name Claire might be red and white and green and a yeah. lot of other colours, and it can be quite hard to convey that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's technically possible that someone could experience a synesthetic colour that does not exist in the real world. <laughs> so I love that. the colours that you can see are somewhat limited by what your eyes are capable of. Yeah, because we
0: have limited colour, like other animals and stuff can see so many more colours and I'm so jealous. It is
1: cool, isn't it? I I kind of wish I could too. Well, actually, I say that. I took part in someone's experiment where they were doing transcranial magnetic stimulation TMS, where they... Mm -hmm sort of fire an electromagnetic pulse into your brain. And what that does is it causes all of your neurons in a very local area to become active all at once. And then they're like very tired. They have to have a rest Mm -hmm. and you can test something that you're interested in related to that block of neurons. Um, So it was a, a task that was something to do with motion vision, but she was moving the TMS machine over the back of my head and got the color area instead And I saw a colour that I've never seen in real life. It was grey and blue and orange all
0: at one time. So, fabulous. So cool. And of course, then to be able to articulate it, you can't because you're limited with the words that we've got for the colours that exist. Yes. I'm trying to just imagine grey and blue and orange all at once, and you just can't. And I, oh, I need somebody to stimulate my neurons.
1: (laughs) If you if you volunteer for psychological studies at
0: various universities, have a field day with me as it is. I'm my brain's messed up and fascinating. Take me on. There you are oh yeah and so that must be the combination of research as well that's going on is the psychological research mm-hmm. of discussion of what people are going through and then the neural research as well yes. as actually what is firing inside
1: yes definitely um they they're both tricky in different ways um yeah so with the the brain stuff because people think it's about connectivity you you do have brain imaging techniques you can use to see like um the bundles of neurons that are passing from one part of the brain to the other but that's that's still very complicated Mm -hmm. and it's not very um uh, you haven't got a very good resolution on that Mm -hmm. and the behavioral stuff and the the cognitive stuff that's tricky because you don't necessarily know what the right kind of question is to ask because Even for me as a synesthete, this was really tricky because I would tend to assume that other people's synesthesia was like my own. And maybe that's a very wrong assumption.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's a really fascinating area. Really interesting. And from an outsider, it it is a superpower. I'm glad you think so. (laughs) It has been a whirlwind. Thank you Brilliant. so much. Thank, thank you. And you. Thank you for, you for me. letting me talk about books so much. I appreciate <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> there is a young adult novel about a kid with sinister. Wait, I think it's a young adult novel. Um, Damn, did let me they just steal check. my idea. I have never read it, but it is called a Mango Shaped Space.
0: Oh, Ooh, nice. Oh, might be having a look at that. Yeah, too. Mango Shaped Space okay nice <laughs> amazing thank you you're welcome a brilliant brilliant episode brilliant such episode. interesting things about synesthesia and a book to read as well oh yeah made up
1: <laughs> thank you so much for having me i've really thank enjoyed it it's,
0: it's been, been brilliant fun and my gin has completely gone vanished really Mine enjoyable.
1: Has just gone so <laughs> I, I timed that well <laughs>
0: And on that gin-dropping moment,
1: <laughs>
0: thank you so much, Claire. Yeah, Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. Synesthesia. Oh, what an amazing thing so synesthesia is. And the fact that it isn't one thing, it's, it's all sorts of different things. I want to people. get a bunch of different synesthesia. Dizia... Sinis- S- Steeze, I, steeds, deep. We said we couldn't say it after a gym. We can't. Out. So mm-hmm. we've got. What have we learned? What have we learnt? That I'm a divergent. That's the most important thing that I've learned today. <laughs> it is, but also that we don't know where the fuck it comes from. No, and and, yeah. and that there are lots of theories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um but no concrete concrete. knowledge of where it comes from. There are connections. Mm -hmm. So we have got um, some genetics, but that you can have your dad having or your mum having one type of synesthesia and you having something completely different. Mm -hmm. And even if you've got the same type... Like Might be different colors yeah yeah for letters or and whatever. then you're there just gonna have arguments about what color an a is yeah. <laughs> and so all sorts of different styles of synesthesia or different types of synesthesia yeah. i love the london underground so tastes cool. i do want it on the wall and all of that mm-hmm. art and the creative link such yeah. creative link it was lovely gin though really nice gin i'm gonna Went say down it. Really well. i think tarquin's is one of my favorite gins we've had on the podcast so far mm. it's gonna stay in the cupboard mm-hmm. well not for, long. Stay in the cupboard. <laughs> for be a drunk. few days <laughs> but it will be replenished in the cupboard um so yeah synesthesia mm-hmm. a mini superpower a mini superpower helping with yep. memory and creativity yeah a little bit annoying in some places if you can't quite yeah, find yeah. the numbers yeah. and maybe some connections with mm-hmm. um, headaches, mm-hmm. um, migraines OCD. And, and irritable bowel syndrome. But I think I could put up with a little, little irritable bowel syndrome. You literally do. Well, that's true. <laughs> but I don't have the the <laughs> tasting words to go with No, it. you just can't eat too many potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> And on that note... (laughs) And on that (laughs) bosh, I think we can end. Good night. If you enjoyed this episode... Listen to more. We've got tons. Got loads. And if you like them, really, really like them, you could always leave us a review, because apparently they're quite helpful. You can also subscribe. You can. And then you don't even need to go and find us. We just appear. Every single week. Yeah. We are on Twitter at... Topic Gin. And on Instagram, Topic Gin. (laughs) Join us next week for another gin and another topic.